Chris Powell struggled to get her twin sister's attention. Lindy Powell glanced up from the book she was reading to see what the problem was. Instead of her sister's pretty face, Lindy saw a round pink bubble nearly the size of Chris's head. Nice one, Lindy said, without much enthusiasm. With a sudden move, she poked the bubble and popped it. Hey! Chris cried as the pink bubble gum exploded onto her cheeks and chin. Lindy laughed. Gotcha. Chris angrily grabbed Lindy's paperback and slammed it shut. Whoops, lost your place, she exclaimed. She knew her sister hated to lose her place in a book. Lindy grabbed the book back with a scowl. Chris struggled to pull the pink gum off her face. That was the biggest bubble I ever blew, she said angrily. The gum wasn't coming off her chin. I've blown much bigger than that, Lindy said with a superior sneer. I don't believe you two, their mother muttered, making her way into their bedroom and dropping a neatly folded pile of laundry at the foot of Chris's bed. You even compete over bubblegum? We're not competing, Lindy muttered. This is Dark and Stormy Nights, the podcast where we read the first page, and only the first page, of every novel ever written. I'm your host, Vin LeBate. And I'm your other host, Ben Blattberg. And tonight we're talking about the first page of Goosebumps, Night of the Living Dummy by R.L. Stein, published in 1993. Uh, this is a listener recommendation from friend of the show, Everything to Puppy. And our guest tonight is Hannah Colbert. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. Uh, and I'm glad we get you because it's nice to have a certified millennial. <laughs> oh, yes. Because I think this is one of those titles with that very interesting age gap where like mm -hmm. people who are maybe two years younger than Ben and I have a very different relationship to this series. Yeah, I, I'll be fascinated to hear about that because I I have, well, you know, me and jovial Bob Stein, as I like to call him, <laughs> we go way back. I mean, <laughs> I, I, my brother, when I was a kid, had Goosebumps books that I would sneak into his room and steal. <laughs> but then on top of that, um, my friend and I in college became like weirdly fixated on rereading the Goosebumps books. Uh, there was this really insane, um, well, I mean, it was this Goosebumps book review blog that someone made called Blogger Beware. It was very, very funny. This was like 2008. Um, and so... Yeah, we became weirdly obsessed with R.L. Stein. We read his autobiography, which was actually ghostwritten by another author. <laughs> um, and we found his joke book that he wrote before he wrote any like horror goosebumps type books. Um, and we just uh, we just put him on like a little microscope plate and we just dissected him. And we were just fascinated by that that funny little man. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear what you guys uh, what what rich emotional depths uh we're going to plumb in in terms of your relationships with goosebumps hmm. well uh i also have to ask what is your relationship with pokemon oh yeah i mean i i'm a pokemon you know uh, player i i grew up with um well i had the game boy color was my first game boy and my first pokemon game i think would have been maybe the yellow version and i continued to play them you know pretty much throughout time. I'm not as up and up on the series as I once was. But yeah, as a kid, I was quite, quite the, the Pokemoner. 
See, that actually does mirror my relationship to Pokemon, except that oh. I started after college. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I was just looking at uh, something at an online uh, retailer thinking, uh, I saw a deal for some Pokemon material and I thought, well, maybe I should get some for my son and this will finally teach me Pokemon. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I feel like I should like, like it's a... It's a it, it's it's a gap in my uh my my nerd uh canon I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you, you got to be careful because uh if people find that out about you you may um you know you may be targeted by some real unsavory types. You don't want to piss off like a, a Pokemon master. Let me tell mm-hmm. you. It's true. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say uh how about uh let's I mean just to workshop this uh Pokemonster. Uh, with yeah, uh, is that a good for 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 someone who likes Pokemon? I mean, po- oh oh yeah, I see. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's got to be a word, right? There must be. Uh, ballhead. <laughs> 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 I'm sure they'd love that one. Uh, no, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a good. You know, mm-hmm. there's a good. I mean, but Pokemon is one of those things where it's it's so I feel like ubiquitous and common, and, and so many people like it, especially with Pokemon Go. That it's almost like, do you need? A, a term at this point you know what i mean it's i feel like although i can eh, maybe i mean depends on the crowd the crowd you're in i i guess i only hang out with nerds so mm-hmm. i'm just like of course everyone wants to tell me about their you know their mm-hmm. first starter <laughs> well speaking of starters i guess perhaps this would be a good time to say that uh this page is my starter with rl stein mm-hmm. oh and and what a journey you have ahead <laughs> Yeah, I think I think as essentially the last two members of Generation X, Goosebumps hit at a time where it was like just too kiddy yeah. for us to like acknowledge. How mm. old would you have been in 1993? Or is that is that too personal? I don't want to. 14? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I take the year, I take the last digit and add one, and that's how I figured it out. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but I will say we do actually have a college connection to this series. Oh. Because we went to college with R.L. Stein's nephew. Oh my god. Oh, I feel like oh, I I'm getting I'm getting chills. Uh d- so uh well tell me everything. <laughs> so probably like fun guy. I probably don't want to uh completely like dox him by saying his name. <laughs> um but for, for at least like the first six months on campus, uh, everyone called him Charlie Mack. Okay. Because on the first day of orientation, someone arrived on campus in a limo. So people, for some reason, and again, I'm not entirely sure on the, the details of like the, the chain of events, and no one seems to be, <laughs> but they assumed that it was Charlie Mack Stein who arrived in the limo. And so they called him Charlie Mack because of a Fresh Prince song where he's listing his entourage and he says Charlie Mack is the first one out of the limo because Charlie Mack is his bodyguard. It's all coming together. However, the limo did not, in fact, belong to Charlie Mack Stein, but to the actress Gabby Hoffman, (laughs) who you might know as the little girl from Uncle Buck or Field of Dreams. Incredible. Oh, man. That was a weird incoming class of freshmen. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Max Stein was in the same dorm as uh, former guest Kelly Asprith Jackson. My God, just this is just a veritable uh, uh, '90s extravaganza here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is great. We're getting we're getting all of it. Uh, yeah. 
Do, do you want us to describe the the sound of a modem connecting? Or, <laughs> I mean, or, I don't know. I, I don't want you to describe it, but I'd love if you could make... Reenact it, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to try and do that for the sake of all involved. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, just a little, just a little fun Foley work. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. I might be a little predisposed to uh, being willing to sonically torture my audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, oh, hmm. man. Uh, speaking of torture... Uh, I'm going to try and recount what I remember about this book. Uh, let's see, you know, I, I, I can't remember if this is one that I actually read, uh, cause I have read a number of them, mm-hmm. but I think, uh, primarily, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Spoilers is that, you know, I don't want to ruin. I know, <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, Maybe they were just uh, kind of off the grid in 1993, but now they're just stepping back in. They're like, what's the first cultural touchstone that I want to really familiarize myself with? (laughs) And much like children in the 90s, uh, who were, of course, as we know, obsessed with ventriloquism. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, nowadays, it's like, yeah, I want to get back into the works of uh, famed uh, children's author R.L. Stein. Um, (laughs) I completely forgot where I was going with this. (laughs) Oh, spoilers. Mm -hmm. Uh, From what I recall, you know, uh, Slappy, I don't, tell me about what you guys know about Slappy. So I have seen or like half watched the movie that came out a few years ago where Jack Black is R.L. Stein. Yep. So I know that Slappy is essentially the same obnoxious living dummy character from any piece of media with an obnoxious living dummy in it. Yep. You really hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's funny um, that you mentioned that because having uh, read R.L. Stein's autobiography, uh, I mean, again, I guess biography, (laughs) biography framed as an autobiography, I can tell you that there is a section where R.L. Stein is asked the question, where do you get your ideas for your books? <laughs> and he straight up is just like, uh, well, I watch a lot of movies and TV. And if you read the Goosebumps books, most of them are directly cribbed from a pre-existing piece of horror media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. That's classic. I, I, be- I believe we've talked before about how, like, you know, my first introduction to a lot of classic literature was through uh, episodes of DuckTales. When like they would do the Odyssey or something, and you're like, hell yeah, and, and then later you're like, oh, I see, that's that's why they had to like go between this whirlpool and this this other monster. Uh, that's where Zeus is from. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew him from something. Uh, yeah, I think the interesting thing about that is when you have something like Ducktales or, or Animaniacs, you know, would do stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the interesting thing about that is it's you know it's uh, an homage where they're purposefully referential and they're kind of you know aware of what they're doing and uh they're sneakily educating you a little bit whereas when you read goosebumps books it's um it's kind of like if you you know were drunkenly maybe watching some horror movies while kind of half asleep uh, as a man from ohio in maybe your mid-40s and then the next day you were like all right Time to crank out another children's novel. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I might have been a little bit asleep at this point, but I think, you know, there was some some ooze 
there's definitely some ooze in there. We're going to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not, you know, not that I'm complaining. Uh, I, I'm a big 80s horror fan, so I'm all about ooze. And, uh, you know, the 90s uh, ooze was kind of kind of the in vogue thing. So, yeah. See, again, if we're talking about like minor generational splits, I think I was definitely an ooze child. Like that was I was the exact correct age for everything to be ooze in a formative way. Ah, see, it's surprising then the goosebumps missed you. Did you ever watch the TV show? No, I I was just right on the cusp. Right in the age where I could like catch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, yeah. And be like, okay, this is a thing that like, you know, it's on Nick at Night. It's right on that, you know, you're growing up point. Um, but Goosebumps came a touch too late for that. You you really missed out. Hannah, <laughs> uh, can I ask, when when you were getting these books, did did you get them from the library or from the Scholastic Book Fair? Or? Oh, the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, my <laughs> God. What a time to be alive. Uh, they had this thing at my school where if you read enough books, you got a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. And it was the best thing ever because, like, I liked reading anyway. So it was just mm-hmm. like I get to feel a sense of accomplishment and eat delicious personal pan pizza. Uh, but, yeah, I think occasionally library. Uh, mainly I did steal them from my brother, as I've mentioned. Uh, his room was always a good uh, source of books. <laughs> he did not like me going in there, um, but I still did it. And, uh, you know, I think that was a, a formative experience. Um, <laughs> Cirque de Freak was another good series to steal from my brother. Uh, I'd recommend that if uh, if it's the 90s and you have an older brother, try sneaking into his room to steal uh, the first Cirque de Freak book. It's, uh, it's pretty solid. Uh, and just. Also, to sort of triangulate <laughs> before we get into this page, if we ever do, um, was there was there a series that you remember at some point younger kids were reading and you thought like, oh, I'm too I'm too old. Like, I don't know. Uh, was Animorphs the, the thing where you're like, no, I'm an adult now? No, no. Anim- Animorphs is an interesting. I mean, Animorphs. Now, there's a series that I think would hold up like, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but I. I'm always shit talking goosebumps and <laughs> I can't help it. It's a lot of fun to do. And I did read them. The, my primary memories of reading them are from college. Uh, and, you know, kind of just picking them apart and analyzing them and noticing the similarities between them. But uh, for when I was young, I know that there absolutely were series like that because I remember that feeling very distinctly. But I think the thing is too, that it's like, it's hard for me to bring them up in my memory because I was dismissive of them at the time. Like, oh, it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's for little kids. But I'll have to think on that. I, I'm sure there's, you know, I'm sure if someone were to be like, oh, were you really into, I would be like, no, I was 14 and I was a little, a little <laughs> past that kind of juvenile yeah. literature. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm reading Lord of the Rings now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it is curious. I, I, I wonder why... For for Vin and myself, Goosebumps like made any impression because, as Vin said, like they were sort of after our time. Well, it was one of those things that had a very large media push. Yes, mm-hmm. like it was the kind of thing where like you'd see it everywhere. It would like people would talk about it on like you know daytime talk shows, cable news. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. it was a zeitgeist. Like, uh, my brother and I actually, 
I can't remember how exactly it worked, if it was part of another theme park, but I remember us going to some sort of like Goosebumps attraction at like a theme park, like it might have been Universal. And I think it, you know, in retrospect was probably like a temporary thing, but it was like, you know, um, a thing where you could, I remember distinctly that there was a thing where you could, it was like fake Goosebumps covers that were life-size that you could stand in front of so that you were featured in the cover and then you could pay for a souvenir photograph. Um, so I remember getting one of those. Yeah, it was really everywhere for like several years in that mid 90s stretch. Definitely. Like in terms of cross promotion and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And an inescapable media phenomena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, it's funny when you said like the thing about news covering it, I can just hear like your, your local news reporter, like some kids say it's fun to be scared. Yeah. Dead on. Okay, one last historical question. <laughs> it's always funny to like try to look back and recapture uh, your past self. Uh, were you scared by these? I I remember uh, that there were certain Goosebumps books, I think, that kind of freaked me out. Mainly the covers, I remember, because, you know, a lot of times I, I remember going to the library and just like looking at the Goosebumps books covers. But, you know, it's interesting. Like, I... I did kind of have an interest in horror when I was in elementary school, even like I remember reading like Bruce Colville had some really good, like young horror stuff. And I would read like scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm. But, you know, I think the ones that freaked me out, like it would have been. I think the stuff that was more on the gross end of the spectrum, like I'm personally horrified of mutation. So and I know that there, I think there are some Goosebumps books where there's kind of definitely some mutation-y uh, phenomena happening. But Night of the Living Dummy, for me, I've never been particularly afraid of dolls or uh, ventriloquist dummies. I, I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about ventriloquists, hmm. but uh, the dummies are fine. And I was going to ask that, actually. That was my, I had, you know, thought, what's a good question uh, to ask on this topic? Y'all. Anyone here afraid of dolls at all? Or, or does anyone have a frightening doll encounter story? Like I've definitely, there's definitely a category of dolls where I'm like, that's vaguely creepy, mm-hmm. but that's about as close as I've come. I did have a friend in high school who was like, did have that porcelain doll phobia. Yeah. Was like, nope, that can't be around me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a friend with a doll phobia. I think everyone should have at least one friend who's afraid of dolls. Mm-hmm. So, someone who you could like, push it and then realize you're taking it too far sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, everyone's got to, uh, you know, have a wacky coming of age story where they attempt to frighten their friend with a doll. Um, but then, you know, uh, come to realize that the doll truly is haunted and then they have to okay. work together to overcome their fear and uh, banish the demonic spirit inside of the porcelain vessel mm-hmm. back to the hell from whence it came. You know, mm. I think if you're a 90s kid, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Ten years later, you just listed on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love those. They make me so happy. <laughs> well, we can't do a haunted doll watch that is a copyrighted bit. Tragically. <laughs> I mean, I do have a haunted doll story, I guess. But Ooh. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it wasn't actually haunted per se. It's more of a fucked up thing my parents did. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you can edit it out if it's too dark, okay? We'll see. <laughs> All right. 
So when I was like uh, 12 or so, uh, I had a wonder, I had the coolest fucking grandma. My, oh, I, can I curse? Yes. <laughs> cool. I have the coolest fucking grandma. <laughs> she, um, she was the one who kind of got me into video games. She had the old big brick Game Boy and uh, she, she smoked a lot uh, and she was great at video games and she was really um, like, she's a good storyteller and she was just fun and kind. Um, and she passed away when I was about 12 and we inherited, I don't know where, like why, who in the family it had originally belonged to, but somehow we inherited this incredibly creepy doll, um, when my grandma passed. And I don't remember her ever having a doll, but it must've come from storage or something. But it was this very creepy, um, doll about the size of like a toddler, I think it had those eyes that, you know, will open and shut if Oof. you tip it. And it had been, someone had cut all the hair off. Oof. Now, my grandma, she died of cancer. And I remember that when I was a kid, she was going through chemotherapy. And so she had lost her hair and she had a wig. And for some reason, I don't know who did this, but the wig was on the doll. <laughs> so, so anyway... Uh, this is all to say that there was, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, maybe a year after this, there was, uh, and, you know, maybe I don't think the doll came to us right away after my grandma's death. So it wasn't like it was, you know, my grandma died and suddenly this doll showed up. But I think we inherited it. And I think my parents both found the existence of the doll very funny. And uh, we joked about how it was very creepy. And one time I, <laughs> I came home like from a friend's house and, you know, it was dark uh, a little later and I, you know, I, I came in and I, you know, went to my bedroom and <laughs> the doll was like lying in my bed, like propped up and like it was like underlit with like red because oh, my dad had put like a flashlight in there. And I think I did like scream and like <laughs> jump like a foot, um, but I had to admit it was pretty fucking funny. So <laughs> Good one, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you logging that for future childcare plans. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, you know, I turned out great. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm putting that in my list of like whenever you know whenever we go home to to, to visit my parents and my mom is like, oh, I'll just hold the baby while we drive. Like you didn't, we didn't even have car seats when you were young. I'm like, yeah, uh, things have changed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't. We use car seats and we don't use dolls to, to scare <laughs> our kids. Uh, I mean, unless we have a really good reason. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless it'd be really funny, in which mm. case. <laughs> I do generally think yeah. that dolls in that like toddler size category yeah. are inherently just terribly off-putting. Yeah. I mean, well, once you get into the uncanny valley where it's like, this is conceivably a person size, mm -hmm. it's a little more threatening. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny. Like, I mean, I, I I can't say I have a doll phobia or like anything like like wax figures, you know, sometimes mm. creepy, but like nothing yeah. particular, you know, uh, like usually it's more just like uncomfortable. Like, ah, oh, like you think this wax figure looks like that historical person <laughs> like that's not like someone needs to get better at their job. You're uh, concerned with the craftsmanship. Yes. Yes, exactly. I, I, I have I have some notes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like the fun things that scare me. 
<laughs> rather than uh you know uh things going oh, yeah, on I, in the world yeah yeah uh, the light-hearted um, silly uh yeah. phobias yeah it is funny though how like i mean it's like a classic thing of kids enjoying fun scares yeah um yeah are are, are, are you two big uh horror fans in general i i would say so yes i enjoy horror i like I don't watch a lot of horror because there are certain like I've discovered that there are certain types of like just aspects of cinematography that can really bug me. Mm. And I didn't like through high school, I was fine. And then like there were a couple movies that I saw where I was like, oh, I'm not going to take chances on watching horror in the theater anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like The Ring was something that like I had to leave in the middle of. Uh, and The Cell, oddly enough, I don't know if either of you have seen The Cell. That's a very surreal one, isn't it? Yeah. Like Tarsum Singh. I think director. so. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I've heard of it, though. Yeah, the, there's like a style of like hard cuts uh, and imagery, uh, like flash imagery of stuff. I'm like, I can't that like it skips over the point of scaring me and makes my brain want to leave. Yeah, that's fair. I'm like, OK, none of that. Yeah. But I like I like a lot of the concepts of horror and like I like horror fiction. <laughs> yeah. And like. Mm-hmm. I like hearing the stories of horror movies and thinking I would probably enjoy that, but I'm not going to try. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Uh, I, I like horror or theoretically I like horror. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's also one of those words where like every time I say it, I know that my Long Island accent is coming out a little, a little more. Oh, that's fun. Than, than some. So, um, but you know, I'm thinking about, it's, it's funny, you know, uh, mentioning, just craft and techniques that we don't like. Like, th- I feel like there was a time where like low budget horror was going for like, it's just like, it's just like cinema verite. It's just like someone's holding a camera and they, mm-hmm. they can't stand still. And I'm like, well, oh, now, gosh. now I'm just nauseated. So like, yeah, the whole um, trend of kind of found footage post mm-hmm. Blair Witch Project. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like Blair Witch, paranormal activity. Um, uh, I will say that at like the beginning of the like quarantine, I read uh, Grady Hendrix's book on the the covers uh, and the the paperback boom in horror. Oh, and then like I picked up one book that he mentioned called Burnt Offerings, Ooh. which is about a family that sort of that that goes to a like vacation house and gets kind of trapped by it and driven insane. Mm. Um, and then I was like. Maybe I shouldn't be reading this with like a small child in the house when <laughs> when we can't leave. This feels, oh yeah, this feels a little too uh, like metafictional in some ways to my life. Um, I had that with Shirley Jackson. I was reading Shirley Jackson mm-hmm. during the pandemic, and she just has a way of making you feel so paranoid and claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, I-, I maybe need to take a break. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it's it's that that like like we were talking about with like the friend who's afraid of dolls. When you're like, oh, it's kind of fun. And like maybe that's kind of fun for a minute, and then like now it's not fun. <laughs> like you cross that line from like, well, no, like no, now I'm just no, now I'm actually upset. Yeah, uh, I would. Uh, yeah, I, I try not to torture anyone with dolls. You know, yeah, if anything, yeah. my my friendship with doll fears gives me a greater empathy for their concerns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, you you really are younger than us. Uh, <laughs> that's the the, the classic uh, uh, millennial kindness. Uh, or wait, do I, what, 
what, what even are generations? Anyway, uh, <laughs> enough about that. How about this page? Did you? Okay. I've never read this. Vin, have you read this book? I have not. Okay. I, this is also my first exposure to the text of Goosebumps. So this is the seventh book in the series, uh, Wikipedia tells me. Mm-hmm. And, and Hannah, you said you may have read this book or may have just absorbed it. Yeah, through cultural osmosis. Mm-hmm. They, you know, and I I think I may have watched the episodes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night of the Living Dummy is an interesting one because it's it's sort of slappy weirdly became like a, a mascot character for the Goosebumps series. But the interesting thing is that in the first book, Slappy actually isn't even the antagonist. He's sort of a red herring because there's another evil dummy. Oh. And his name is Mr. Wood. <laughs> and that's all I'm, you know, I mean, what else is there to say? See, I, I just feel like see, th- this is why I know that I, I will never uh, have this sort of success because <laughs> my mind naturally says like, well, like one dummy is good, two dummies better. Okay, they move to a town. Everyone is a dummy. <laughs> And like, what is like life like in this dummy town? Um, uh, Okay. I mean, I'd read that. I think a a town full of dummies to me is a far more, uh, a far more interesting and poignant concept Mm -hmm. uh, than, I I mean, I'll tell you the, the night of the living dummy books are all pretty much the same. They all follow the same formula. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like, there's some kids. They, one of them gets a ventriloquist dummy. And everyone, you know, is pretty cool and likes, is like, yeah, ventriloquism. Come and come perform with your dummy. We, 12-year-olds in the 90s, mm-hmm. love this. And then, you know, the dummy turns out to be evil and says mean things to people and uh-huh. punches them and projectile vomits and, you know, just is generally just a little stinker. <laughs> uh, and I think it was kind of... Uh, when, the character that I always think of with Slappy is he feels like a really shitty, like PG Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. But his other thing is he's always trying to enslave children. Um, so, yep, th- that's Night of the Living Dummies. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, going back to the town of dummies, we can probably establish a literary theory where one dummy is horror Two dummies is comedy. A town of dummies is literary fiction. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I mean, I I also don't want to do this during the episode, but like, you you can bet I'm going to be checking uh, the TV tropes for evil dummy later. Mm. Oh think, yeah, like, just to find like which is my favorite evil dummy. Like I I remember enjoying that one on uh, uh, the Tales from the Crypt. Yes. I was literally going to say that that's like the, the I used to read EC horror comics. Mm-hmm. I got really into them. Like, you know, the old like ones from like the forties and stuff. Mm. And uh, yeah, the, the EC horror, like uh, tales from the crypt living du- or yeah. Dummy story. Mm-hmm. Pretty solid. With a, with, with Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's also a Buffy episode where they do the dummy yes. thing and they subvert it yeah. by having yeah. the dummy be the ghost of someone who isn't terrible. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he's like a pervert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like a casual yeah. pervert, not like Yeah, like a like a fun friendly pervert who's <laughs> trapped in the body of a dummy. We all right. know him. Yeah. Right. See now that that would be a scary a scary doll. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean Chucky. Oh, that's true. And there's also Isn't there a middleman episode also? Mm. See, wait, this is what I said I didn't want to do. Ah. Uh. Ah, uh, well. Okay, it's wait. too late. We're already in the dummy cinematic universe. 
we're already in the slappy verse of madness. <laughs> it's <laughs> like too late to turn back. Um, okay, you know what? It's 35 minutes in. We're never going to talk about this page. This will be the episode where we don't talk about <laughs> it. We can talk about it. I'm did, sorry. Did, did, did you all see the new Doctor Strange? Uh, <laughs> I actually haven't seen it yet, but I've, I've heard I, I like Sam Raimi a lot as a director. Okay. So I'm excited to watch that. So how did you get into Sam Raimi? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, Evil Dead. Uh, okay. But like the, like the first one? Well, I think actually, yeah, I think I did. The first Sam Raimi movie I watched was the first Evil Dead. I watched them in order. Army of Darkness, you know, was one that I could rewatch over and over again. Whereas the first Evil Dead actually scared the hell out of me. Yep. It'd be interesting to revisit that. But I used to have a stronger stomach, even I think for horror when I was like a teenager. So I don't know, maybe, maybe now it'd be worse. Maybe now it'd be better. I do. I used to be afraid of stop motion animation, actually. Uh, but now I love it. So it's a toss up. Yeah. I also like, I think I had that same experience with, with Evil Dead, like, we got really into the series in high school, me and my friends. And like, so I've seen Evil Dead quite a few times. Mm. And like, it's it's impressive because you can tell that every shot is made out of like ketchup and corn syrup. Yeah. And then at the end, you're like, mm, I don't super want to go walk through the woods right now, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's the surreality of it that is so freaky, like it's this weird unreality and this kind of being trapped and time being messed up and like Ash putting his hand through the mirror. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that. Mm. I mean, uh, I I don't know. T- teenage time was when I started kind of having like real anxiety, depression. And I think it was that concept of like being in an altered mental state that was very um, frightening. Yeah. Uh, uh, frightening and pleasant or like <laughs> like was w- was watching this uh, a way to sort of feel like you were in control of those fears or was it too mm. I mean maybe so I mean I think that's how I felt about a lot of horror uh you know a lot of horror it was like watching it was yeah like I mean I was always drawn to like fairy tales and mythology mm. which are horrifying mm-hmm. um but they were exciting and I think it was that thing of where it's the, kind of the knife's edge of are you, yeah, excited and having a good time and your adrenaline's going or are you, you know, uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, you know, it was a little of both. Um, and uh, I mean, Bruce Campbell is just such a delight to watch mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in anything. So like, y- you know, I-, I think that kind of helped balance it out where it's like, I'm really scared, but I am looking at Bruce Campbell. So that does help. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I remember for me, Sam Raimi, uh, it's kind of funny because I, I really haven't thought of him recently and I haven't watched some of his more recent films. But I remember in high school, maybe it was like, yeah, middle school or high school, when uh, a friend of mine uh, who was also very into movies, uh, I don't know, like we, we like we just rented something. I, I, I think I don't remember. I think it was Army of Darkness is what we mm. rented the first. And so we're like, oh, it's it's comedy horror. Uh, maybe it was Evil Dead too. I was like, oh, it's it's just very silly in a way. Uh, and it's I, a mixed I was, bag. Yeah, and I was always I was always kind of like warned off of watching Evil Dead one. So I just watched it a few months ago, and uh, yeah, I just I don't know. It I I'm always impressed with by people who actually go out and do things. <laughs> you know, there's that. Uh, but I remember thinking it was like it was just kind of very nasty. Yeah. Like, mm. like, it's really like, you know, it's pretty fucked up. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I could tolerate that stuff more actually as a teenager. Like it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like now that I'm, you know, like 30, like I, or even before that though, like even my mid twenties, like I just, my appetite to like see really scary, well, not scary, but to see really disgusting, like violent stuff, mm-hmm. like definitely decreased. Like I still love horror and especially like, I like horror that's, um, you know, conceptually interesting and that has like an interesting story to tell. But mm-hmm. I feel like I used to be able to more be like, I'm going to watch a movie that's just like known yeah. for being mm-hmm. really yeah, yeah. nasty. It, and I would be like, no problem. And now I'm like, my stomach hurts. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I, I think there is something about like that sort of like when you're young, it's just kind of like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they're, you know, they, they, they made a movie about a, a living chainsaw. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like how fun. Uh, now it's just like, like well, like I'm glad that people got paid for this, I guess. But uh, yeah, well, it's also like horror has gone through kind of a renaissance, where like there's a lot of very high quality stuff out there that is also like really very sharp in the the way that it gets to you and like the things that it depicts. So like. I don't think there was a lot around when I was like in my teens that could compare it to like a midsummer or mm-hmm. um what's that other one that I just forgot the name of? Hereditary or Yes, Hereditary. Like everything I've heard about Hereditary is telling me like that's an interesting story that you should stay the hell away from. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that one, the scariest parts of that movie are the realistic parts that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the the way it affects you emotionally, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, like even I think part of what got to me with The Ring was the sense of isolation that, again, I think is really big in in modern horror, mm-hmm. uh, where like you're def- you're following someone who is alone and doesn't like, it's not about the things that are attacking them. It's about the fact that they have no footing and like nothing to fall back on. Yeah. Get a little, you know, get a little psychological. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can dig it. Hmm. I mean, it's interesting because I I will say the, the night of the living dummy series. And now that I think about it, a lot of the goosebumps books do have kind of a thing of, you know, you have the main character who's experiencing you know, some fucked up thing and then everyone around them won't believe them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, the dummy is framing them for, you know, mm-hmm. acts of vandalism and stuff. Um, but I mean, it's interesting, too, because I will say I do think a lot, especially the later Goosebumps books, I think some of the earlier ones are a little bit more solid. And some of the later ones are just more like this is a series of very unpleasant experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's not really horrifying, but you're just like, eh. Uh, um, but there's some there's some early ones like uh, that actually I think are kind of solid that do kind of get at genuine fears that kids would have. Like there's one. Um, I remember one now that mm-hmm. scared me as a kid. <laughs> Sorry, I got so excited. But there's one called Stay Out of the Basement. And the premise and, and this one, too, I felt like even though it shares concepts with maybe like, I don't know, like the pod people, mm-hmm. it wasn't particularly derivative of anything I'd seen before. But it's like the premise is that these kids, their dad is a scientist 
And I can't remember if their parents are divorced or what, but they they aren't normally with their dad or they've been away from their dad and they go to stay with him. And he's become really irritable and kind of different than they remember him. And he's always down in the basement working on something and they're not and and they're supposed to stay out of the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course they don't because then there wouldn't be a book. Um, and uh, they find that I think what they find is either that he's becoming like this plant person in a very creepy way. Like it's, um, you know, it's kind of 80s horror mm. or that he has been replaced. And I think, you know, it gets at that fear of, you know, what if the people you love aren't who you, you think they are? You mm-hmm. know, what if that stability isn't there? What if something about my parent changes? Uh, and it's actually, I think, a pretty... A pretty solid, you know, elementary grade horror book. Hmm. It's funny that. Uh, oh, so it looks like that's the second in the series. Oh, so that's pretty early. Yeah, we kind of we kind of hit all our our highs early in the Goosebumps. Hmm. Uh, yeah, canon. But it does. It, it, it just you telling me about that uh, just reminded me of the the Philip K. Dick's short story, The Father Thing. Oh, uh, which also, by the way, great title. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that that title alone like yeah. makes me want to read it. I have not read that. Yeah. Um uh well, I mean it but it, it's exactly that 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 sort of premise of like like what if your dad isn't your dad or or like what if your dad is mean sometimes, which is like <laughs> which is just like kind of a great uh you know, or like like what if you have a nice dad and a mean dad and there are two separate people, which is, you know, just like it, it feels like it's the literalization of that childhood fear. Yeah. Right. I'm going to uh, check that out. Yeah. Um, also, I, I want to applaud you for trying to bring us back on topic. <laughs> oh, well. Um, okay, here's a question. Would you say that the writing on this page is representative of the style slash quality of a lot of the other books? Yeah. I mean, I'll say... I think there is some variation. And, you know, I don't know how early he started using ghostwriters, but like, yeah, I will say that the quality, like, I mean, there's like maybe three or four Goosebumps books that I would point to and go, that's, I mean, the thing is my standards for Goosebumps books are really, really, really low. Mm -hmm. So like, um, I would say that, yeah, that's about a standard Goosebumps book. It's more, if you read a Goosebumps book and it's somewhat good or passable, that's, um, more of an exception mm. than the general rule. I actually, even on this page, like already found myself just like groaning with like the familiarity of how he or his ghostwriters, I guess, write where they have to like, I don't know, there's just something weird and grating about it. Yeah, I like it's with kids lit, it's always a little tough to be like, okay, the style here isn't great, but like, the style here isn't great. Yeah. Uh, like the way that the names are just constantly repeated. Yes. Um, and, you know, part of that is that you have twins on the same page uh, and they keep oh. going back and forth. Hmm? Can, fun fact. Yep. On the back of this book, there is a typo on the like official like summary blurb where they're talking about Chris because uh, it's Chris and Lindy. And it's like. Chris is so jealous because Lindy got a cool new ventriloquist dummy. Well, don't worry about that. Chris will show Chris. Chris will show her. Chris won't believe like how much cooler she is than her. And it's like, you know, you mean Lindy. 
You, the author, have confused your own twin characters. You fool. You've fallen for their gambit. Now they're in control. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, I, I assume at some point they have to learn to work together. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's surprising to me that that even happens because, like, generally in Goosebumps books, uh. there is no emotional anything <laughs> for you, the reader, to uh, really grab onto. I mean, especially, I guess, as they get later in the series. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they have to work together to stop this goddamn dummy, as one does. Mm-hmm. So uh, g- good for them, I guess. <laughs> What's the look on your face? I'm just looking at the text and like. Yeah, it's. I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. Per, per, perhaps this would. Be, I mean, this this is the uh, Kindle version or electronic version. I wonder if maybe seeing it with like like a paper texture behind it would make it like w- w- would would give it that that sheen of nostalgia of like mm-hmm. remembering what it was like to like read a book at the Walden Books. Yeah. You I know, mean, when your parents dropped you off, or I, I just recommend reading a better book. Like, they, <laughs> there are children's books that are good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, and 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 that was going to be my closing question about like, what what's your favorite children's book? Uh, oh, but or like book from childhood, I should. Yeah. Hmm. You guys should start because I'm going to need to think on this. I, unless unless you guys also need to think on it, because well, unless you've already answered it, I don't know. I I, I have a, a a thing. About um, did you ever read Bonicula? Oh, oh yeah, Bonicula's yeah. great. You know, yeah. I say having not looked at Bonicula in thirty years, but yeah, that was one that I loved. I mean, even just the 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 title, the celery stalks at midnight mm-hmm. for the the third volume. Like, I don't know, I have to love that. Yeah, it's charm, especially when you like compare it to Goosebumps titles, which yep. also try and play in that same space a lot of the time, and just are all kind of groaners. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing about Goosebumps, too, is like, I mean, R.L. Stein kind of started writing humor, or or I'm mm-hmm. going to say humor, because I've read one of his joke books and uh, talk about groaners. <laughs> but um, what's the word? Like, uh, I-, I think he kind of found a niche that wasn't, like, there weren't, a there were there wasn't a big elementary schooler horror series. He found that niche. And he didn't really need to write like the most amazing books. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just found the exact kind of niche that needed to be filled and was able to become very successful. So uh, nice. <laughs> nice one, RL. Yeah, that like <laughs> that also sort of uh, makes a point click in my head that like we sort of talked about how the horror elements are very perfunctory. Like, you know, it's the dummy that we've seen everywhere. It's the, mm-hmm. you know, the body snatchers. It's. This kind of ghost, it's that kind of zombie. And the humor is also that exact same kind of perfunctory. Oh, yeah, it's painful. It's, it's like, really painful. Here are all the jokes you've seen before, but written awkwardly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there, there are jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you do want to if you do want to get some entertainment value out of Goosebumps, I actually dug up this blog, Blogger Beware, because I had just loved it. My friend Mitchell and I, he went to college in another state and we would like, you know, talk to each other about the reviews and we'd mail each other goosebumps memorabilia. <laughs> and uh, actually, I'll show you. Uh, he, <laughs> he bought me this fabric that I'm supposed to make a Hawaiian shirt out of. Oh, wow. But 
It's um, oh, it's all dummies. It's slappy print. It's specifically Goosebumps brand slappy wow. print fabric. Um, but what's the word? If uh, this blog uh is so funny, and I tried to dig it back up the other day, and it was gone. It had been deleted, mm-hmm. but I found it in the way back machine. And this person went through and just reviewed like. I think all of the main Goosebumps books, and it's very funny. I mean, there might be one or two jokes that are a little 2008, for, but for the most part, it really holds up. So uh, if you want, you know, I, I'll get you that link to you. Uh, do. It's a good time. You can put that in the show notes. Hell yeah. I want to spread the love for it because it really breaks my heart to see that it's not like available to the mainstream internet anymore. Like it was something special. <laughs> I'm going just going to add that to our... Uh... Uh, show notes. Mm. Uh, Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> we are past 50 minutes. So <laughs> do we have any final thoughts? Uh, oh, uh, mm. children's books that I liked. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, uh, I'm going to I'm just going to I can't. I'm bad on the spot sometimes, mm. but I do want to bring up actually that a recent really good like middle grade or like late elementary school horror book that I read was The Nest by Kenneth Oppel. Hmm. Uh, it's it's really good. It's a creepy uh, horror story that I genuinely did find like suspenseful and unnerving. But, you know, you could give it to a 12-year-old, maybe a, a 10 or 11-year-old, and, uh, you know, it's not going to scar them for life, but it's creepy. And it actually kind of had a cool message. The main character uh, is a kid who's struggling with obsessive-compulsive disorder. and yeah, it's it's a good book. It's solid. So it's about uh, wasps and eugenics a little bit, oh, nice. actually. So <laughs> uh, wasps, the insect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, normally when you talk about wasps and eugenics, mm. but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting read for sure. I I, I really liked it. Um. Gosh. Okay. Uh. uh I will say this. When I opened up these pages to read today, I got very excited for a moment because I thought like, oh, this is different than I expected. And then I realized I was reading uh, a different book. <laughs> <laughs> but so yes, this page, it feels really like, uh, I, I guess I, the, the nicest thing I can say here. I mean, you don't have to be Minnesotan. You can, you can <laughs> say it. No, it just seems like, I mean, like, it seemed like he was filling a need, I guess. Like, yeah. And this feels very like this is not challenging. This is like, you know, reading while you're, you know, on the bus, you know, and like passing the book to someone else as soon as you finish to read the next one or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like a pulp novel for mm-hmm. eight year olds. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, actually, it, that's a really interesting thing. Uh, and it reminds me of uh, this one. This one essay I read in, I forget, the New York Review of Science Fiction or something. Mm. Um, that was like, like, you know, like, what's up with like the all these short, short stories from the 1950s with like, like lantern jawed heroes and things. And it's like, well, like to move the story along, like you work, you work with these tropes, right? So it's mm-hmm. like bickering twin sisters. Like, OK, mm-hmm. like there's no like nuance there. Right. You know, not from this first page. And like. I, I did actually like, I, I will say one thing I liked about this page. I, I, I guess with the introduction of the mom, mm-hmm. uh, who's like actually doing work and like 
doing laundry. Um, I mean, again, as a parent, I felt for her, but like, yeah. like immediately the like, like instead of the sisters fighting, like as soon as mom says something, you know, like I just saw like the kids like rolling their eyes at mom, like, uh, like now that they have a shared enemy, yeah. they'll be together. And maybe that's part of the plot of the story. Or at least if I was writing this as a like kind of a perfunctory, like non-experimental novel, uh, that's what I would do. I would have. I would center the mom, you know, I would have it be like uh, the mom has to fight the the dummy, you know. Yeah. And uh, everyone else in the family thinks the dummy's normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not R.L. Stein. I'm not uh, a heartbreakingly staggering genius mm-hmm. but uh i would love to see like a 90s mom like uh have to tackle and beat the shit out of an evil dummy mm-hmm. i would pay money for that i do i do love the idea of like handing a, a, a novel to a, a a kid at a scholastic book fair and they're like like oh it's about like a kid and like finding a the a dummy, and it's like no, like the horror is that like at one point your mom had sex and was a human <laughs> being with like thoughts of her own, and like now now she just does laundry. That's, yeah, that's the <laughs> there you go. That's, that's well, it could be a really cool thing. Yeah, she could you know she could it could be a commentary on you know like the post feminism of the nineties and like mm-hmm. uh, she could use implements of domesticity to fend off slappy. Mm-hmm. Much like in the uh, Halloween franchise, it could be really cool. <laughs> or the Simpsons arcade game. Yeah, <laughs> it is a good one. Hmm. Well, on that note, uh, Hannah, where can the people find you? Ah, well, if this didn't put you off, <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, I am on a podcast, Dames and Dragons, with uh, some of my my dear friendos. It's an actual play D and D five E podcast with a lot of uh, goofiness and nonsense, but also, uh, I think a pretty cool story, uh, and, uh, some pretty cool music by my friend Noel. So yeah, if you like, uh, improv and D and D and, uh, you know, mythology rooted storytelling, uh, my friend Katz made like a whole pantheon of gods. So yeah, uh, check us out damesanddragons.com. Uh, you can find us on, you know, all, all of the podcasting platforms and, uh, yeah, uh, again, if you uh, if you don't find me particularly irritating, then uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm an artist, uh, so I I post art at uh, Thistle Beetle. Thanks for joining us on Dark and Stormy Nights. I've been your host, Finn Lebate. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Reciprocity, and you can find the games that I write at mrreciprocity.itch.io. And I've been your other host, Ben Blattberg. You can find me on Twitter at InCatastrophe. For show updates, corrections, and occasional bouts of actual research, subscribe to our monthly newsletter at monthly.darknightsreads.com. For everything else, follow Dark Nights Reads on Twitter or visit darknightsreads.com, and we'll meet you back here next time, weather permitting.